0: Welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today, the leader we will be tomorrow.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Switch Leader Podcast. My name is Josh Baldwin, and I'm here hanging out with my friend, James Meehan. James, thanks for hanging with us today.
0: How are you doing, bro? I am doing swell. That's really good. Swell is good. Yeah, it's- it's what happens when you take switch and well, and you put it together, you get swell.
1: Ooh, Okay. Hey, I, I love that. I just want you all to know that I'm actually, James said I should mention this. I am recording from home today. And just before I hit record, I had to open the door, tell my kids, do not dribble another basketball or I will put you in the toilet. And he thought, he thought it would be good for you guys to know because that's real life, right? right. And he thought it'd be good for you guys to know that I was doing that. And James, wouldn't you agree? I would. What, what just happened yep. might in some really weird, not really a lot, but kind of way, 100% work, work right into the topic we will be covering today. I mean, I really think it does because today we're going to be talking about responding to disrespect respectfully. Yep. And now a lot of you might be thinking, was it respectful of you to tell your kid you'd put them in the toilet? Well, first of all, what I'll say to you is don't tell me how to parent. No, I'm kidding. All right. I'm just messing with oh, I'm, just, I'm just messing with you. All right. I don't, I don't, I don't actually put my kids in the toilet usually. Like so most of the time they're not there. Anyways, I am excited. I am excited about this week. I know that if you have been serving in youth ministry for any time at all, you have been disrespected Come on. by a kid. Hundred percent You are a human being that has been around a teenager. You have been disrespected by a teenager. If come you have on. ever been a teenager, you have been a disrespectful teenager. Come on. It doesn't mean that you were disrespectful every day of your teenage life, but it means that come on, bro, we all screw up and you probably had some times that you said some things that weren't right. And so, Amen. We're going to talk about how do we as leaders not just get frustrated with them, but love them respectfully into a way that could potentially change the way that they even live their lives. And so I'm really excited about this conversation. I'm excited to hear you, James, as you kind of speak into maybe what this looks like in context of being a switch leader, but also what this looks like in context of scripture and what expectation
0: is for us. So I'm going to let you take it away from here. Yeah. I mean, what I would say is just to start some things that I think it's helpful to acknowledge is what Josh said, is that if you are feeling this, you are not alone. Now, I think what's also helpful to acknowledge is that many people in different spheres of life, whether it's within youth ministry or teachers in schools, are experiencing a level of disrespect that feels new. And I think it's because it is. But I think it's important for us to recognize that this rising level of disrespect is not a problem that magically appeared overnight. It's really something that's been building for years. And that's important to remember because problems that don't start overnight often don't get fixed overnight. It takes time. But I think it's more noticeable. It's unfortunate. Right. Because it would be so much easier if it was the other way. Right. If overnight, I, I think it's fair to say that overnight problems often come with overnight solutions, but I, I don't think it it happens the other way around. So here's so here's some thoughts on what's been contributing to this. It's the fact that in just about every area of life, there is a lower level of trust for authority figures, whether it's within churches, within politics, within businesses, whatever. There's just lower levels of trust all around. There is an increased consumption of content that prioritizes honoring your feelings over honoring other people we are seeing parents overwhelmed who are struggling to find the time, energy, and solutions to instill discipline and develop the character of their kids. And then specifically around the subject of faith, there are higher levels of apathy around faith, religion, and morality. And because young people care less about goodness and virtue and faith, they tend to try less to be good and virtuous and faithful. And while Mm. all of that may not sound like great news. There is good news because we are followers of Jesus. And in his letter to the Romans, the apostle Paul tells us in verse 16 of chapter one that he is not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. We know the gospel is powerful. And because of that, we are confident that change is possible. And as a church, we are committed to unapologetically reaching out to the lost and bringing them into the family of God. And because of this, we will always have a large portion of our students that do not understand what it looks like to honor God and love others, let alone what it looks like to let God transform them into people who reflect the character of Christ. It's been said before that the church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. And our church is full of sinners (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) like we're all sinners in need of the grace of jesus that saves us and that changes us and sinners are loud and messy and we've got a lot of them so our churches will always be loud and messy but that doesn't mean that we just sit on our hands and do nothing because the purpose of a hospital is to bring healing so we as leaders as followers of jesus as pastors we have a responsibility to receive students as they are and help them find the healing that they need. So that is just kind of like the ground level of, yes, the problem is real. Yes, you are feeling something, but you are not alone. And yes, the gospel of Jesus is still good news. And it brings us the hope we need to move towards a solution.
1: When I think about respect or disrespect in the church, I know that it's really easy for us. And it, this can get generational if you start to think about, well, what did it mean to be disrespectful when I was a kid? So right. if you're a leader looking back, you can be like, man, you just didn't do that. Like you just <laughs> didn't, you just <laughs> right. didn't do that. And because I grew up knowing you just didn't do that. You don't do that to me either. Right. And if you disrespect me, man, you disrespected the wrong person. Cause I ain't putting up with that. And that can be like our, we contend to lean in that direction. And while there is some health to students having people in their lives that are unwilling to be disrespected or unwilling to allow them to continue a pattern of disrespect, it is unhealthy for them to have Christians in their lives who are unwilling to handle the disrespect. Right. It is unhealthy for them to have people in their lives who say, man, to, to to live as Christ and to die as gain. Right. And that at the end of the day, I am willing to do anything on this earth to advance the kingdom of heaven except be disrespected by a teenager. And so, <laughs> yeah, if you started this podcast thinking we were about to tell you, don't you ever put up with that crap and if they do it, you shut them down and kick them out, then I'm just going to be honest, you're about to get disappointed because that's probably not where we're about to go. Right. However, we are going to lead you in a direction to hopefully Help us all be better at not leaving a student in a place of living their life thinking they need to disrespect people around them because when behaviors like this are happening in our lives, they're happening for a reason. Right. And when a student is living their life with consistent and constant disrespect, there's something going on in their life and they need somebody with thick enough skin and enough love in the game to be willing to say, hey... I know you didn't mean that, or even if you did, I love you too much to give up. Right. And so I hope as we kind of begin this and we are about to dive in deeper, I hope that your posture would be, okay, I'm not going to learn today how to tell them off. I'm going to learn today how to love them well.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I think if I were to summarize what I heard you say, Josh, it was that if Jesus was willing to be disrespected through the act of cru- crucifixion, then we as his followers ought to be willing to be disrespected through the act of teenagers giving us crap. If he Uh-oh. can put up with the crucifixion, we can put up with some crap. That, is that what I heard you say? I'm thinking that we are on a similar page. <laughs> yes. So so, so here's, here's what I want to do. I want to kind of jump in to a more practical level of moving towards a solution. And what we're going to do is follow the example of our Savior. In John chapter 1, verse 14, we read that the word became flesh. This is Jesus. And he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. Jesus arrived on earth full of grace and truth. He wasn't a little bit of this and a little bit of that not a sprinkle of this one over here and a sprinkle of that one over there. He wasn't even the balance between these things. He's the fullness of them. So how do we as leaders in the church respond to students behaving disrespectfully? I would suggest that we respond to disrespect respectfully by with grace, meeting students where they are and with truth, calling them to more. With grace, we meet students where they are and with truth, we call them to more. We're gonna spend the rest of this podcast episode breaking that statement into two parts. Part one, with grace, we meet students where they are. And then part two, with truth, we call them to more. Because if Jesus came full of grace and truth as his followers, we gotta do the best we can to do the same, because that, if you ask me, is what actually leads to long-term change in the lives of these students that we're called to love and to lead closer to Jesus.
1: So then the next question is very simple and probably obvious to most of you listening. That all sounds really great, but how? (laughs) So if with grace, if with grace, we are going to meet students where they are, how practically on a Wednesday night, on a Thursday evening, on a Sunday morning, anytime in in a group text, anytime that I'm interacting with my students, how do I, with grace, meet students where
0: they are? Yeah. So my first suggestion to you would be to remember they are teenagers. Remember they are totally forgot. Okay. Thank you for that already. Like I know it sounds so silly and basic, but I think it's important because I think oftentimes what we do is we unintentionally project our own experiences onto other people until they become expectations. And then when our expectations of them are not met, that produces frustration. And here's what's important. We often project our experience of where we are today onto others' expectations, not where we were at a similar stage of life. Like, think about it. When a newborn poops in their diaper, you don't drop the hammer on them. You recognize that's what newborns do. When an eight-year-old believes in Santa Claus, you don't call them an idiot. You recognize eight-year-olds have a wonderful imagination. So two-year-olds poop in the pants. Eight-year-olds believe in Santa Claus. But teenagers, they, they act out. Like that stage of life as teenagers is them moving from their identity, being dependent upon their relationship with their parents, to developing a sense of independence for the first time. And a part of how teenagers figure out who they are is by figuring out who they aren't. A part of how they figure out what is okay is by pushing the boundaries until they discover what's not okay. This is a natural part of the growing process. And if we can keep that in mind, I think it allows us to start these conversations with a whole lot more empathy than just being upset that they don't do things the way that we want them to do them.
1: Yep, and kind of in that same line, remembering that they're teenagers, part of it's also remembering that you are not. And so <laughs> right. take charge of your emotions. Come on, take dude. charge of your emotions. Over the years, I will have to sadly and embarrassingly admit to you that I have not always taken charge of my emotions, and I will also admit to you that I have had conversations with more switch leaders following some emotional outbursts that led to them not taking charge of their emotions in which they would say, man, I was doing fine, but they just finally, that kid just finally pushed me over the edge. That kid just fine." here's the issue here. If you as an adult are unable to take charge of your emotions, how dare you expect that kid to be able to take charge of theirs? Right. And so as an adult, it is our responsibility to take charge of our emotions, to control what we can control. And to know that, yeah, man, this kid's going to act out. They may have said something they shouldn't have said or done something they shouldn't have done, but that does not give us the right to meet them on the same level. And when we do, and honestly, listen, some of you listening right now, you're like, dang, I did that last week. All right. So listen, when we do, let me me help you. This is a big one. If that happened to you last week, you need to walk up to that same kid this coming Wednesday and you need to not worry at all about what they did wrong. And you need to tell them that you are sorry that you lost control of your emotions and you need to show them that it's okay to be wrong, that we own it when we're wrong. And this is how an adult does it because it takes what was a loss and disrespect and it completely flips the page and shows them that not only do I respect you, but I admit that I'm not perfect and I care enough about you to
0: set things straight. So good, man. That is so good. Like that is such a demonstration of respect for the student that there's no way it doesn't make a difference for them. And I love that. And and it's a reminder that as leaders, we go first. That's what leaders do. We go first. I love that. So first, what we want to invite you to do is remember that they're teenagers. Second, take charge of your emotions because responding to disrespect with more disrespect does not help anything. (laughs) And third, I want to invite you to lead with curiosity and not conclusions lead with curiosity and not conclusions. Instead of assuming that they're just a punk who wants to do bad things for bad reasons, maybe start with some curiosity. Maybe begin by trying to figure out how long have they actually been a part of Switch? Like, is this their first time? Do they not actually know how to behave in a church? Because maybe this isn't just their first time at Switch, it's their first time in a church. And, you know, when a Switch experience begins... It's kind of like a party in the lobby with fun and games and all that kind of stuff. And they're like, oh, cool. It's kind of like gym class where I just run around and have fun and make a bunch of noise. Like that That could be it. And then when they yeah. move from what feels like gym class into the auditorium and then we're in this environment that is worship, it's like, oh, it feels like a concert. Well, in a concert, I can talk to my friends and that's totally okay because the music's loud enough that I'm not going to bother anybody else. Like th- there's so many different reasons why a student may not actually understand how to behave respectfully within the switch experience. So I would start with just trying to figure out how long have they been coming? And maybe you actually just ask them that question directly. And then you want to kind of figure out what's going on in their personal life. Because like us, teenagers also have lives outside of what happens on Wednesday nights. And it's really hard to show up to switch on a Wednesday night, totally centered and grounded and emotionally in control. If you're, boss flipped out on you a couple hours before. And so if a student is coming from football practice, having just figured out that they are no longer on the varsity team and they got demoted down to JV, Mm. it's probably going to be a little bit difficult for them to be in an emotionally mature space on a Wednesday night. And then I think the thing that's also important to wonder is, are they even Christians? Because the truth is, is that we very much have different expectations for believers than non-believers. And and that's like a biblical thing. Now, that doesn't mean that non-Christians just get to do whatever the heck they want, right? Like not a chance. We wanna make sure that it is a safe environment where those students who are there to grow in their faith can pay attention, can be able to be undistracted in that environment. And also for the non-Christian student, we wanna make sure that they're not missing out on what God has for them. So yes, there's still a level of expectations and redirection that needs to happen there. But the way we approach that is different when we know, have they been coming for a while or are they brand new? Is there something going on in their life that maybe we don't know about that's contributing to these less than positive behaviors? Is there like actually a faith that they're bringing to the table or is that something that's brand new to them entirely? And so when it comes to us with Grace, meeting students where they are, first, we remember their teenagers, then we take charge of their emotions. Then we lead with curiosity, not conclusions. And then lastly, Josh, can you talk a little bit about how we can show them they belong even if they don't believe and don't yet know how to behave?
1: Yeah, it's interesting that we say that because we actually say that a lot. It's something that we want them to know. It's like, we want you to be a part of Switch even if you're not a Christian yet. Like We want you in the doors of the church because we love you and care about you regardless of the decision that you have or haven't made. And so we say that a lot but sometimes very unintentionally, we don't really live that out when it gets outside of stage. So in other words, we might accidentally, like you were saying earlier, we might hold a kid to a standard that they didn't even know existed yet. We might be talking to a kid that, has, that we heard cuss in the lobby and we're like, hey, bro. What are you doing? Like, do you even know where you are? Do you not (laughs) respect God's house? Are you even a Christian, bro? Yeah. You know, and uh, like we could, and that's a little bit exaggerating a little bit, but I've actually seen it happen. Like I've seen people respond in such a harsh way when a lot of times that, that kid had never been here before and no, in the home that they grew up in, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And to them, they didn't even realize they were disrespecting everyone around them. Right. They were just saying what they hear mom and dad say all the time. Right. And so while it's important that we teach them some things that are that are important about respect, it's also important that we recognize if we want them to be there even before they believe or know how to behave, then we have to be willing to have them there as unbelievers who behave poorly sometimes, <laughs> right? right? You don't get to right. have one and the other, like you, I mean, one or the other, you, you have to have both, which means you're going to have some students that are really solid in their faith and understand some social norms and understand some respectful norms. And if you're a healthy church, you're also going to have a bunch of students who have yet to accept Christ because your front door is wide open yep. and you've got them pouring in. And your goal is that maybe not this week and maybe not next, but before they leave this place, before they're not a part of this ministry anymore, before they age out of here, they will have heard a very well put together, clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it will transform their lives. And the only way for that to happen is if we actually let them belong before they believe and let them belong before they know how to behave.
0: hundred percent. So- How do we respond to disrespect respectfully? First, with grace, we meet them where they are. We remember they're teenagers. We take charge of our emotions. We lead with curiosity, not conclusions. And we show them with our words and actions that they can belong, even if they don't believe and don't yet know how to behave. And then with truth, we call them to more. With truth, we call them to more. Come on, James. This is my favorite part. (laughs) <laughs> Let's go. So how do we do that piece? Because again, Jesus came full of grace and truth. Read the gospels. You're going to see over and over and over again, Jesus having tons of grace and also bringing you lots of truth. So what I would say is when it comes to calling our students to more, step one is actually stating the expectations clearly and kindly, stating the expectations clearly and kindly. So if what. You, I know it's. We're it, actually going to set clear expectations for people, dude. I know it's it's wild. It's wild, James. What is this? A relationship? What are we talking about? <laughs> yes, yes, and 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 this is oh, the man. thing that I think is so valuable because we've all been on the receiving end of not meeting someone's unstated expectations, and then when we get in trouble for that, our response to that is actually to feel like they were being unfair to us. And so then what it does is it feels like, oh, wow, like I screwed up, but you actually never told me that that was wrong before I did it. And for those students who are showing up to Switch who do not know our expectations, who are not followers of Jesus, one of the best ways that we can love them is by stating expectations clearly and kindly. So if you see a student that's doing something crazy, that's putting somebody else in danger, that's loudly listening to a TikTok in the middle of a message, approach them and clearly and kindly state the expectations. Like what is the specific behavior that needs to stop? What should they do instead? Why does that matter? So really quick example, I've got a group of seventh grade boys and seventh grade boys in worship tend to not be the most engaged in the spiritual aspect of things. And they tend to easily be distracted by whatever their friend shows them on their phone. And so before worship, the last time we were at Switch, I went to every single one of my students And said hey here's my challenge for you this week be more engaged in worship than you've ever been that means not being on your phone and not talking to your friend and if you're not super comfortable with singing that's totally okay but i really want you to read the words that are on the screen and see what it is that god might be speaking to you and i said that to every single one of them i clearly and kindly stayed the expectation be engaged stay off your phone don't talk to your friend read the words and i shared with them why that matters because I think there's something that God wants to speak to you tonight that if you're paying attention, you might just hear it. So that's a really simple example of what I did to apply this to my group, because as much as I wish they were awesome all the time, we're still working on it. Another
1: thing that you might do. So first one, right? State expectations. Clearly. Another thing that you might do is tell them that they can do it. Come right? on. So just tell them they can do it. Not, not too complicated for the most powerful words that a young person can hear, wait, just wait. This is going to be heavy. I believe in you. (laughs) Come on, man. I believe in you. Come on. Like I know that you might not believe in you, but I believe in you. Come on. I know that at school you might be struggling, but I need you to know that I struggled too and I made it and I believe in you. Yeah. I know that you didn't make the varsity football team and you really wanted to, but I want you to know that I believe in you. Yeah. I know that you failed that test last week, and I want you to know that that test doesn't define who you are, and I still believe in you. Yeah, I know that you were disrespectful to your parents last night, and we've talked about it, and you're going to do better, and you're going to do the right thing, and you're going to apologize to them and tell them that you love them, and you're going to do better. But guess what, man? I still believe in you. Come on. And at the end of the day, no matter how much you do right or how much you do wrong, it will not determine whether or not I love you because I simply Believe in you, not because of what you did, but because of who you are. in the same way that when Jesus looks down at each one of you leaders listening to this podcast, he's not looking down here saying, "I love you because you serve and switch." <laughs> that is not it. <laughs> Come on. He's man. not saying, "I died for you, and you are now saved because you serve and switch. What he's doing is he's saying, "No, I gave my life for you." because I love you, yeah. not because of your works, but because of who I am. Yeah. And so if I am to be like Christ as a switch leader, then it means that no matter what, I believe in my students and what a waste it would be if they didn't know that. Come on, man. And so every single week, you should be picking out at least one student and you should be finding a way to make sure that they leave knowing holy cow, I knew they liked me, I knew they were on my team, but I didn't know that they believed in
0: me quite like that. Yeah, absolutely. The amount of our students who have shaped their identity around the things they've been told they can't do is really heartbreaking. I've got a specific student I'm thinking of right now who has allowed his diagnosis to define how he sees himself. And so every chance I get, I try to remind him that there's more in him. That while that diagnosis may be real and it might make some things more difficult for him, that doesn't define who he is. And I think you've probably got some students in your group who are dealing with some similar stuff. So with truth, we call them to more. We state the expectations clearly and kindly. We tell them that we believe they can do it. And then we catch them doing something right and celebrate the snot out of them. (laughs) Like we actually look to catch them doing the right thing and then we celebrate it like crazy. And bonus points is when you don't just celebrate it to them, but you celebrate them in front of their peers and you celebrate them to their parents. Because here's the deal. It sucks being called out for doing the wrong thing. But it feels really good to be called out for doing the right thing. And there's lots of really cool research that shows how positive reinforcement has a much bigger impact on behavior change than negative reinforcement does. So the more you call out the good, the better you are equipping them and preparing them to do more that is good. What gets rewarded gets repeated. So reward the right behaviors by specifically appreciating them for behaving maturely and clearly articulating why that matters. This is how, with truth, we call them to more. We state the expectations clearly and kindly. We tell them we believe they can do it. We catch them doing something right and celebrate the snot of them. And number four, we repeat the process. (laughs) There was wash, there was rinse, and then there was repeat. Go on, man. 100%. Absolutely. Repeat that thing. Yeah. And, And if I were you, what I would encourage you to do, if this is something that you're struggling with within your small group or within your area of the Switch ministry, I would really encourage you to sit down with your coach, your community leader, the other people on your serving team and talk about this podcast and how you all together can begin implementing this within your sphere of influence at Switch. Because like Josh said, it's one thing for us to talk about principles. It's another thing for you to figure out how to put it into practice. Because what I'm doing with my group may not be the best application for what you need to do with your students. But through the discussion, through the collaboration, I think you could probably come up with some really, really great strategies to help your students discover the more that they were made for. Now, what I do want to quickly hit on before we close out is a really important question that unfortunately, sometimes we have to ask an answer. And it's the question of what about when things don't get better? What about when you have lots and lots of grace and you appropriately and kindly bring truth, but the students continue in their disrespecting behaviors. They continue to be a distraction. They continue to make it kind of clear that they don't wanna be a part of Switch. What I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it trusting that you all are gonna hear this the way it's meant to be heard with so much love. But one of the things that has been a kind of big idea in our church from really early on is the fact that sometimes you need to grow the church by asking people to, li- to leave. This is not something that's heartless or heavy-handed. It's from the perspective of genuine love because we want everyone to be fully engaged with all God wants to do in and through them. And, And sometimes the best place for that to happen isn't at Switch on a Wednesday night. Sometimes the best thing that we can do is respectfully ask a student to stop coming back to Switch for a period of time. Now, this is never an outcome we rush to. This is never something we do without the involvement of our youth pastor and our coaches. This is never something we do without ever having a conversation with their parents. All of those are really, really important pieces of it. But I remember back when I became the youth pastor at the Life Church Edmond location and the disrespect was just off the charts. And there were six particular students that were sort of like the ringleaders of it. And after doing the best I could in the first several weeks to have lots of grace, And bring appropriate levels of truth it became clear that none of them really wanted to change and none of them really wanted to be there and so for their own good and for the good of all of the students who wanted to be at switch who were hungry for what god had for them i asked those six students to not come back to switch for two weeks and at the end of those two weeks three of them didn't come back but three of them did and it really sucked knowing that three of them decided not to return but i was really grateful that three of them did and of those three who returned they getting suspended in seventh grade, stuck all the way through their senior year of high school as a part of Switch, and two of those three actually went on to become Switch leaders, because where they were in their stage of life, they needed somebody to bring appropriate boundaries to let them know that that behavior was not okay, and something needed to change, because they weren't just preventing themselves from getting to experience what God had for them; they were actually getting in the way of other students experiencing that, and so. That sometimes is the right solution, but it is not the first thing we jump to. It is a last resort after we've tried everything else to the best of our ability, and it still hasn't changed.
1: I am so glad that you all were willing, and I'm so glad each week that you are willing to tune in and listen to this podcast. It makes us so happy to know that we have leaders that aren't partially in, but are all in. Come on that we have people that aren't going, hey, I just kind of want to show up and serve on a Wednesday night, but that we have people that are saying, no, I want to be the most effective that I could possibly be to influence the season of God in the season that he has me in right now. And so God, I just pray that you would give us the opportunity in this coming week to be used by you in more tremendous ways than we thought possible. Guys, next week, we will be talking about our new series. We'll be kind of doing an overview of what the vision and expectations are for that series. It's going to be really good. I know a lot of you like to hear that and know what's coming. So make sure that you tune in and listen. Please be sharing this podcast. If you have a group me that you're in with your other leaders, a text group, anything, shoot it to them and make sure that they they are listening. Every person that serves in Switch can benefit from being invested in every single week. We love you all. We thank you so much for joining us on the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow.